Hello, everyone, and welcome to our sixth episode of Pot de Podcast. I am your host, Jessica Williams. And I'm your other host, Clara Peterson. Today, we're really excited to be speaking with Ask LaCour Rasmussen of New York City Ballet. Uh, New York City Ballet, or NYCB, is one of the premier ballet companies in the entire world. And I just want to give a little bit of background on NYCB for our listeners who aren't total bunheads like ourselves. Um, so the company is very unique, um, not only because it's one of the best in the world, uh, but in its dedication to a technique known as Balanchine, which is named after the co-founder and original ballet master of the company, George Balanchine. Balanchine was actually ballet master of NYCB from the 1940s until his death in the mid-80s. Um, so that's a very long time to be ballet master. And in that time, he pioneered a whole new style of contemporary ballet. Um, so he's a very well-renowned choreographer in the world of dance. The NYCB website states that Balanchine created a company of dancers known for their linear purity, sharpness of attack, and overall speed and musicality. And to give a brief intro to Ask himself before we bring him on, Ask LaCour was born in Copenhagen, Denmark, where he studied with the Royal Danish Ballet School. He joined the Royal Danish Ballet as a member of the Corps de Ballet in 2000 and joined New York City Ballet as a member of the Corps in 2002. At NYCB, he was promoted to soloist in 2005 and became a principal dancer in 2013. He's also been involved in a number of creative, collaborative endeavors on his own time, which we'll be sure to delve into, while we also learn more about what it's like to dance for such a renowned company. We're looking forward to the discussion. Welcome, Ask. Thank you. So let's just dive right in from the beginning. Okay. Um, Tell us a little bit how you got into dance and your dance training. I uh, come from a very artistic family. My my dad is a conductor and my mom is a dancer. So it had to be something within the arts. Not that ballet in particular was what interested me, but it was more, I think theater was a big part of it. But apparently the story goes that I overheard my mom talking to this director of the ballet school in Copenhagen back in yeah, 1990, I guess and saying that that was not a lot of boys. I mean, they really needed boys to attend the audition, as always. It's always the issue, and they will take anything that can crawl. (laughs) Uh, And I guess a little voice from the back, me, uh, was like, I would love to give it a try. And that was kind of just the beginning of it. I They had a four-week run where it's like you just get introduced to you know ballets from st- you're waltzing around you're just running across the floor and and they try to see if you dance in the music if you have any musicality in your body and all that stuff and from from that time on i remember something just happened something clicked i became a different person it was really strange i think ballet can do that to you it, it definitely can. I've, I've, I remember going back to my regular school, like after attending these afternoon classes and just being by myself. I wasn't really playing with the other kids. And it was not because I felt like special or anything, but there was just something that was, this is what I'm going to do. Wow. So you identified with it right away. Yeah, I kind of did. And then I loved, I, what I loved about it was also that it was a way of expressing yourself through movement, but you didn't have to open your mouth. And mm. I, was, I was actually a very shy kid, even though I was also a daredevil. I was very shy. 
I really loved that I could express myself without saying anything. And you you don't really see the audience when you dance most <laughs> of the time. Right. Uh, you know, it's That's just one big right. black hole and hopefully you have a, a spotlight. When did you start dancing with the Royal Danish Ballet itself? Was that at that time? I started at the school back in 1991, I think it was. So what age were you? Eight, nine. And then I was in the school till I was 16. Mm. And then you automatically, or not automatically, I mean, if you make it that far, mm -hmm. then you become uh, an apprentice with the company. And then you have a mandatory of two years. If you have a lot of injuries along the way, then sometimes they will give you a third year. So when I was 16, I became apprentice, attended uh, company class in the morning, rehearsed with them, and then we would have apprentice afternoon classes. And then at times you would have performances at night. That was a very uh, intense period of my life. A lot of fun, but <laughs> you had no, not personal life, but you did not really see anyone outside the, the walls, like the four walls of the, of the theater. Right. So what was the training at the... Royal Danish Ballet School like? I imagine that it was quite intensive. Um, how would you compare it to other technique training? Well, I mean, it was, I would just say that it was more intense just because it was every day of the, I mean, it was every day of the week except for Sunday. So a lot of other ballet schools, you, you take maybe three classes a week or only two. And like a lot gets lost when you don't do it every day then the kids would go to you know just have regular classes school classes uh, math and like danish <laughs> <laughs> and then you know the older we got then we would also have afternoon classes where all of a sudden we would have either it could be character it could be bournonville but we also had gymnastics and stuff stuff like that so the days just became more and more intense Gymnastics. Yeah. That's interesting. Well, I mean, it was it was it was very old, you know, nineteen seventies equipment that was used. <laughs> but anyway, uh, <laughs> wow. But we always we've been talking about how ballet or contemporary dance is getting so much more athletic and more gymnastic, like every year. So mm -hmm. that's so smart to train dancers in some gymnastics. No, it is, and also I I actually think the gymnastics like the 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 few dancers that I know that started out with gym, gymnastics you, you can kind of tell they have a i mean they're fearless a little bit yes you know when, when it comes to yes. trying out new tricks or just going for it a lot of times you can hold back and you know hesitate mm. like oh, i don't know if i'm gonna try this yeah. those people in that training they'll, they'll just go for it and throw themselves can you tell us more about bournemouth that technique because i know that's also a very specific uh, style or technique yeah, I mean, the, the Bonneville is something that we're very proud of. From 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 such a small country, it's only 5.5 million people, or a little bit more or less. And to have developed, you know, this style, which was August Bonneville, he created, I don't know how many ballets, like a lot. And he was the ballet master almost as long as ballet machine, yeah. um, just in the previous century it's it's hard to 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 explain the um, i mean the style i think it's more about the joy for me huh. it's it's not i feel like a lot of times nowadays you're trying to say no i mean the head has to be a certain way in the arms and uh, maybe the key factor in bonneville is that you have a, a really a, a, a very calm upper body and everything is in the legs 
And actually, another thing that's also very remarkable is that the the women they jump just as much as the guys. Oh, they, awesome. I mean, it's like everything. Awesome. Yeah, it, that the, there was not really that much of a, a difference. If you ever see a class or you know, the ballet, there's just as much jumping. Uh, for the ladies, for instance, and also turning as well. It's, I mean, it's the same. Interesting. Yeah. Do they learn um, multiple pirouettes in the same way as a guy would, though? Because, th- I mean, sometimes guys are doing like eight pirouettes. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, it was like <laughs> back then. I mean, I mean, like now. Oh well, actually, right back then. That back then, but again, they would just go for it. I mean, I've seen videos of uh, some very funny clips from 1903, um, one of the first recordings of Bonneville dances. Mm. And uh, again, here you, ju- you just see this like joy of dancing and just, again, like no hesitation, just going for it. But it was not about like multiple, like eight turns, <laughs> and, you know, not like the Cubans. <laughs> so is the, it seems like the, one of the real defining things of the technique is not so much that you have your, your arm in this place or that place, but just the emotional value of it. It's bringing a totally unique emotional value. Well, to I stage. think, I mean, for me, I've, I mean, I remember as a, as a kid growing up watching these ballets. I obviously, I'm sure that the dancers had been taught to do the steps in a certain way. I mean, obviously, you know, this is fifth position, Alcohol, like, like all this stuff. But for me, l- watching it, it was much more about that like joy and happiness and you know the storytelling just took over interesting but obviously then but you also have to you have to all of a sudden be like okay but what defines us like what is Bonneville all of a sudden you, you have to make it special you have to be like I mean they all came from the same class not the same classes I mean again he was he would go to France uh, to, to France he would go to Italy he would mm. you know and get the inspiration from elsewhere so all of a sudden you just have this big melting pot uh, happening in (laughs) in denmark so how would you say that training influences the way that you dance today bonneville is extremely hard if that was after he died then there was someone that you know tried to to take everything that he had you know taught and that people had learned over time and they created these classes. They uh, created the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and also oh. the Saturday. And <clears throat> so here, all of a sudden, you you have these steps, uh, like obviously modified a little bit, but replicating what was done. And I have to say, you cannot find a dancer uh, today that doesn't think that Bonneville is is hard. I mean, it's it's, mm. it's all about control, mm. and there's so much quick footwork, which is uh, something that I'm sure we're going to talk later about about balancing and similarities and differences. So, would you say then that it sounds like this training fed well into balancing? Yeah, um, it actually did. Yeah. It actually did. I know. I know. Hearing from other people that balancing was a great amount uh, admirer of the Royal Danish Ballet, but in particular, Bonneville. Because of the quick footwork that, you know, it was like a very calm upper body, like the arms didn't do a lot, and then everything was just in the legs. And and I also think the musicality in the Bonneville style, you, you can tell, it just goes really well with the music. 
So maybe this is related um, or not, but we're curious how you ended up at NYCB, why you left the Royal Danish Ballet to start with NYCB. Was it to do with um, Balanchine Technique or was it totally different reasons? The Royal Danish Ballet at the time was going through a lot of turmoil. There was a lot of directors coming in and out. And as a dancer, you never really, you never really know what your position is if if you have these people coming in and out. It's like you have uh. to start building a relationship with the director. Hmm. It's like what what kind of style does he or she want in, in order for, for, for it to work for you? So I mean, th- there's a lot of politics too. Interesting. But I mean, I was doing I was doing a lot of. Uh, great things I mean I actually I had yeah. nothing to complain about I was yeah. not unhappy I felt I was on the right track mm-hmm. I mean maybe other people disagree but I actually had a great time but Royal Danish Ballet has always had a great relationship with City Ballet and especially oh. with the male dancers there's always been a great tradition <laughs> I, mean, I don't know if it's a tradition but to <laughs> bring the male dancers from Denmark because they actually had the, like a very strong technique in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. but maybe also stage presence. My half-brother, Nilas Martins, so now we get into the whole nepotism part, but <laughs> uh, was also in the, uh, in the, the company mm-hmm. at the time, and he was a uh, principal. So he, so he was also mm-hmm. one of the reasons why I wanted to start ballet, I guess. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, Did you feel like getting out of Denmark and being in New York City and going somewhere new too? Um, no, but I felt there was a couple of things. I was like, I never, I never expected to be here for this long. Oh, okay. <laughs> I only got, uh, first I got eight months of uh, leave of absence from the company, oh. and then I was supposed to return. But then eight months is not a lot of time, not in the dance world, to really, to make mm-hmm. an impression mm-hmm. on on that director or the people you're, uh, you're with. And uh, whenever you whenever you have to go somewhere else as a dancer you have to do it when you're younger hmm. it's it gets harder if you are 30 plus sure it's not impossible sure. not at all no but it definitely helps when you're young because it's easier to adapt i guess mm-hmm. you know you you have the you have the, the style so we also did a lot of balancing ballets in the royal danish peter martins would come from time to time also you know choreograph from the company or you know do other so we we were already used to that the, the quicker pace yeah. of the balancing style yeah uh so it was not completely unfamiliar for me when i got here but to tell you why i came i can't i can't really pinpoint it like yeah. what it was there was just something you know okay i'm just gonna try it out yeah. for a little bit and then i'm gonna go back but <laughs> then it just never went back yeah yeah <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Life kind of has its own way of yeah, it revealing has its own way itself. Of doing, yeah. <laughs> it does. Um, so it sounds like then your technique and training really did prepare you for the demands of Balanchine choreography and New York City ballet company life. Um, but what was it like making the shift and moving to New York City, first getting used to New York City life, but then also getting used to company life at New York City Ballet? Um, you know, it was actually, it was not that bad. It was relatively easy because, um, it, was, it was easy because I've actually already been to New York numerous of times. Mm. Uh, I remember a lot of 
a lot of us, like my generation of, of dancers would come to New York during the summer, would come for two weeks or a week or three weeks even mm-hmm. at times and take classes at SAB, the School of, um, uh, School of American Ballet. Mm-hmm. There's nothing like inspiration from somewhere else. You go, you come and see it, and then you bring it home. So I remember coming here during the summer and coming back home and being filled with all this like energy and you know the, we have an ex- an expression in uh, in Danish how you have like blood on your teeth it, it's like it's like you want more uh, I mean that's New York I'm not like a vampire mm-hmm. but you know <laughs> but that's like um, maybe by now yeah <laughs> um, so the whole transition like coming here was not that different. so I already knew a lot of the dancers okay. my brother was in the company Peter Martins is Danish so like it's you know we speak the same language ah. um so it was actually relatively easy, I think, and even adjusting to to the tempo was like obviously it was a little bit quicker, That's and good. I thought it was a lot of fun, like the challenge that it came with. You've mentioned uh, having to get to know directors and the politics behind that. I'm really curious about that because um, I have an office job, you know, and anyone in an office job knows you have to have a good relationship with your manager. But you do that through these very deliberate check-ins. You know, you'll have meetings one-on-one and talk about how everything's going. And in a dance studio, I would think it's so much different. You know, you're you're <laughs> all you're in a huge group most of the time. I would think rehearsing, everyone's there. How does the sort of business, this is a job aspect of it work? Do you actually sit down with the director? Do they schedule one-on-ones with dancers? How do you get to form that relationship? You, uh, I mean. I, I completely understand because it is it is a different environment and it is it is through our bodies how we we work that's how we mm-hmm. make a, a living but again you, you you still have to sit down with you know the director and talk about uh, past present and future like mm-hmm. like why like what happened in the past like yeah. what, what's happening now good and bad injuries or not and and where do you see yourself in two years from now? Yeah. You know, and also, or you also hear what where he sees you or she. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, that's very important. I mean, it really is. Yeah. There's nothing, because uh, also a lot can be lost in translation here. Right. I mean, and, and especially if you're just in a studio, it's it's very much just a, uh, a one-way street, how mm. you are mm-hmm. being told what to do. And then you're trying to produce, you know, the, uh, I mean, the product. And then do they like it or not? Yeah, they like it. Okay, great. Then let's go home. And we'll, we, we can just yeah. sleep happy. And But sometimes there are m- things that are being misunderstood mm-hmm. that hasn't been communicated. And so it, just, it, it always helps to talk things through and, you know, mm-hmm. to do the one-on-one. You, obviously, it's also you, you don't want to push too much. And you also don't want to like not go at all because then they don't think you're interested. I mean, obviously they lo- uh. they love to hear that you want it more than anything. I mean, there's one way to obviously they can tell by the way you look. I mean, if I mean, are you in shape or are you not in shape? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's it's it's funny because sometimes you have to take that into consideration. You have to look at yourself. You're like, why is it that I'm not doing this, or why is it that I am? Mm-hmm. Um, it's like you, it's. I mean, it's 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 all in the mirror. <laughs> you can actually just see huh. it in the mirror. Be like, oh, maybe, you know, 
I could be I could be in better shape. I could use more hours. I mean, I could do more hours in the gym. I could do more. I mean, that there's that there's a lot of different things. That's but so you also again, I it's it's hard not letting it get to your head. I mean, I right. mean, I, d- I think I'm I'm consider myself very healthy as a dancer because <laughs> yeah. I'm not I'm not a bun head at all. And if you ask me a question about other companies, I mean, I know a little bit, but and I would love and I love going to see other shows mm-hmm. and other companies as well perform because I get inspired but it's not my priority when I'm done with my day like I love to just you know ret- retreat yes <laughs> you know and yeah. do my own thing I love doing music at my spare time I uh, like other projects as well you know just yeah. getting my head like away from right from all of that yeah, yeah that's very healthy <laughs> <laughs> glad to hear um and i think unfortunately media has portrayed dancers as being too much of a perfectionist and yes like with the film black swan um of course you (laughs) have one extreme where she's such a perfectionist she just never takes that space away from the dance world Mm -hmm. so always good to hear there are a lot of healthy dancers out there oh definitely yeah and i think so uh, today more than before because a lot of dancers they they, they 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 don't continue as long as they used to. Mm. Uh, it's a different demand on the body nowadays. I feel a lot of dan- it's it's like a professional athlete. Even though I mean we don't like to compare ourselves to sport in that sense. Yeah. Even though we we do a lot of the same things, it's a lot of similar routines that we have to go through. It's a constant exercise, constantly like being in shape, eating the right things, and. And it takes a toll like, on the body. And oh, I yeah. mean, there are ways to keep dancing until you're 50 plus. And I admire those people. Um, but I just think nowadays it's it's more normal to be able to do something else. When you, I mean, let's mm-hmm. I mean, I'm 33 now, and I don't want to continue until I'm 40 hmm. dancing. It's it's not not that I can't do it, but I feel like there's gonna that there's other things that are waiting out there for me yeah um that's interesting and i feel like a lot of people have that mentality today so you see a lot of people you know taking classes going to school further educating themselves because we we do have like even though we spend a lot of time in the studio and we spent so much time taking classes getting in shape performing then there's also a lot of time off there's a lot of times where you're just standing around where you're not doing anything but obviously you still have to you know be there if you're in the studio but but you know uh so it's just it's it's hard to juggle like all of these things but it is possible yeah actually um that's a great transition i wanted to ask about some of these collaborative projects that you seem to be doing all the time Mm -hmm. all over the place Mm -hmm. outside of your nine to five quote unquote haha with (laughs) with new york city ballet um i actually met ask for our listeners at a benefit show um that yeah. you asked co-produced with david fernandez it was for the organization career transitions for dancers yes. um, and from that we created a film and you were um collaborating with a flamenco dancer yeah, yeah, <laughs> i think yeah. you guys made made um your own piece can you tell us more about how you got involved in that um and your take on collaboration in yeah. general First of all, David Fernandez and I uh, have are, are great friends, and we've known each other for mm. uh, I think like almost twelve years. And um, 
uh, he's been a friend like that has kind of like when you're talking about the you know staying healthy and not always focusing on what's going on. He's like we, we we've done these projects outside that I have loved doing because if I didn't do that much at the, the at the company, I w- wasn't performing a lot, and then you can kind of go down on that a little mm-hmm. bit. I mean, if you're not mm-hmm. on like every night, you know, because that kind of takes the attention away. But so doing these side projects with him. Uh, that was a tremendous help uh, for me and in developing myself as a dancer as well because again not that the stuff that he's doing is not it, it's definitely classical but you you know you get to move and in other ways that they might haven't seen you you know a lot of times you can also get attack on your on your back when you're in a company you're like okay mm. he's good at this he's good at that that you know and Interesting. Th- that's it. And then when you see other people, they they see you in a, a different light and all this stuff. But so I was already I already knew him and we had done I had performed his shows before. So anyway, I'm in Denmark actually, and I'm getting um, a grant there, and I'm getting a grant with three other dancers, mm. uh, just for promising talent or for you know the you know, ambassadors of dance and, and stuff like that. And so we, so me and Selene Munoz, mm-hmm. who's a contemporary flamenco artist, uh, amazing and incredible artist, uh, we met at this event. Okay. And so she was one of the dancers that got the grant, and, and so was mm-hmm. I. So we were talking after they had, you know, they had introduced us and, uh, she, she she has a lot of energy and she's she great does. and she really <laughs> wants to, you know, like try out a lot of the things and, you know, just she's really, she's also independent. Mm-hmm. So she has to, to do this. So mm-hmm. anyway, we're talking and she's saying, yeah, I would love to do something like a project, like dance with you and we could do a collaboration. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that sounds great and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and at the end of our conversation, she says, I hope you're not just one of those people that are all talk and and no walk or whatever you say. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm? <laughs> <laughs> I had to just like swallow that for a second and be like, oh, I guess I have to really uh, try to come up with uh, huh. something. So the next thing that happened was that I I came back to New York and I contacted David Fernandez because mm-hmm. I've never put on a show before. I've never, you yeah. know, that has not been like, there's always been other people. And I asked, I was like, David, so how about it? Uh, you, you, you've been talking about doing another, you know, night just with your friends and have, you know, dancers, you know, doing their thing. <laughs> and he was like, yeah. I was like, all right, so I have this uh, suggestion and I have this great artist and I've seen her stuff online and she seems legit. <laughs> um, I would love to do something with her and can we incorporate that in the show? And he was like, "Oh, that sounds that sounds amazing! Great, great!" <laughs> and all of a sudden, he had just like, as you could tell, that he got fire in his eyes, and all of a sudden, he's like, "I'm on it! I'm on it!" And the next thing you know, all of a sudden, we're we decided to do the show to benefit Career Transition for Dancers, mm-hmm. and um, and learning all the all the like all those like different techniques behind doing a production for instance mm. for me was mm-hmm. very interesting because you think oh yeah I'll just get some money and you know just put it together and put it on stage and that's it right 
and all so of a sudden details. you just you <laughs> realize how how much it takes to actually just make one show and then it's almost like a shame that it was only one show because then mm -hmm. it's easier once you have done it you can do it again and again but it if it's just like that one time you're like wow yeah um that's interesting yeah. so they you really found yourself almost pushed by the people you were working with which is great i mean it sounds like you brought a lot to the table and they brought a lot to the table yeah, yeah. and you pushed and each I, other and, and i mean i definitely work, work better under pressure uh, okay <laughs> so that's good that helps that helps yeah cool so the dance that you put together for this show that was also captured on film through a collaboration with Clara Peterson yeah. here, as well as the Rodanti brothers. Yes. Yeah. And I remember when I first saw the video, I was so struck just by how beautiful it was and how both of your styles were contrasting, yet at the mm -hmm. same time so complementary. Yeah. It was so beautiful to see, and I immediately watched it like two more times. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think it's really great that you were able to also capture that on film. Yeah. No, I was, it was, um, well, it's also, when I mean, if you put on a show like this, we, we, you know, did this piece that was 12 to 13 minutes long, I think. Yeah. And we spent, you know, a month and a half on and off, you know, meeting in studios an hour a day or they mm. see each other. But, you know, you have this creative, collaborative thing going on and then then like just doing it once and not having it for you know the future and here I uh, yeah well Claire I met Claire at the reception afterwards and and I remember he was like yeah I'm a producer and if like anytime you know you just let me know if you have anything and I'm willing to you know do whatever and I'm like okay great that's great and I got you know I got her card kept it and then Selene uh, again, she was actually the one uh, suggesting, um, why don't we do like you know film it? So yeah. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure it was mm -hmm. her. But it was like, yeah, no, that's 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 great. I would love that. You already have. And piece. we were yeah. and we were you know scouting different places and coming up with different scenarios how to go about it because also I mean the month I mean I didn't have any more cash on me at the time. <laughs> to to really pay for a whole like film crew and you know like doing mm -hmm. all this stuff so I was, I was trying to figure out okay how do I do this and uh, but then luckily enough I I called Claire and I was like um, so we would love to do this can you help us out and it just so happened that everything just like came together I mean it yeah, was, it was, really it was truly a remarkable mm -hmm. Uh, a thing that happened because, mm. um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it, really I mean, cool. it just really was, and I'm really, I'm really proud of it, you know, like, yeah. like now just looking back and seeing it. Um, we'll have to make more, yeah. We were talking to Celine, no, no, so yeah, I mean, it's it uh, and it was so much fun. I mean, <laughs> it's funny, I don't know if you, you guys feel the same but sometimes <laughs> you go into something a project and in the beginning you're like oh there's gonna be a lot of work and mm -hmm. it's almost like going to the gym mm -hmm. you know it's like oh, the first yeah. you know 10 steps are not fun but then <laughs> after like afterwards like after you've been there for 45 minutes it's you feel really good about yourself mm -hmm. and that's what it, what yeah. happened here too because it's like like at the time too i had a lot i was starting back the season at the theater i didn't have a lot of time to do anything 
and just trying to put all these things together. But sometimes that's just the best that can happen when everything is spontaneous almost and just mm-hmm. you're, you're making it happen. Yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, this is changing course a little bit, but you've mentioned the gym a number of times, and you mentioned sometimes not performing every night as a dancer. And it's so interesting because I think it's so easy for people to picture uh, the dancer life at a big world-renowned company and think, well, you're in class all day, every day, and then you're dancing all night, so when would you even have time to go to the gym? Why would you ever need to work out aside from that? But it sounds like the schedule is actually quite different than what people might just assume. Like, you actually have to take some initiative make some you know effort to stay in shape yeah but you, but but you also but you also need to like take some time off you need <laughs> yeah. i mean you need to give rest the body, the body. some rest mm-hmm. i mean if you have like a bodybuilder you know they work out for three months straight and then afterwards you know they look they have like one percent body fat and but then mm-hmm. after the competition you know they'll eat uh you know chocolate <laughs> cake for like two weeks which is <laughs> i mean but no, I'm I'm saying because it's 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 not a typical nine to five. Like even yeah. though I mean I love mm-hmm. how you put that like you know the, the nine to five job, but it's not. <laughs> it's not I mean there are certain <laughs> things that are routine. Mm-hmm. A lot of uh, most of the time, like everyone takes class in the morning, yeah. if we can, if we can get up. And that's just offered <laughs> by the company, so you can go every day yes. of your life. Yes, you, yeah. which is you know great because yeah. otherwise it would be ruined. Um, <laughs> no, so that's provided by the company, but then your daily schedule is. I mean, it's so random. Hmm. You, but you, uh, you, you can also request rehearsals yourself. Um, oh, but interesting. A lot of times, I mean, but you have the ballet masters that will, you know, most of the time, like put it down a schedule. But you never know how your day is like. I mean, you do know it two days in advance, but that's it, though. Oh, right, because they keep the rehearsal schedule constantly. Yeah, yeah, it's like constantly. So Mm. there are days when you can be there all day long. Mm. And then there are other days where you just go in and take class and you actually have the rest of the day off. And it's like, sounds weird, but it's also like what uh, the season are you are you the one that they're using a lot right now? Mm-hmm. Are you not like what are the performance? I mean, I'm looking at the the season, and I can tell. Okay, the two first weeks uh, of uh, the season, I'm gonna be really busy, so I need to like pull my shit together yeah. and like you know get going right. and be in shape and you know. Yeah. So I'll go and take class, go go to the gym or work out, and uh, you know, and then. Oh it's and then also okay you you get into this mode of just yeah. being like, okay this is a performance mode and then also maybe then but the problem is here then you can have two weeks where you you might have like one show a week mm. this is not for every dancer i'm not this is i'm talking on my behalf yeah. um and that's the hardest part i think because all of a sudden it's up to you to really stay in shape obviously this yeah. is our work mm-hmm. but you have to kick yourself in the butt in That's order so to like stay, you know. If like I go to class um, ever anymore, <laughs> which I so need to do, if I go to class, I'm like, this is my exercise for the week. I feel so good about myself <laughs> for the week. Yeah. I, I can't imagine taking a class every day and still feeling like, oh man, I need to go to the gym to like stay in shape. That's just hilarious. Yeah. Anyway, random observation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So New York City Ballet just completed their winter season at the David H. Koch Theater. Yeah. And um, what roles did you perform in this past season? The last two weeks, uh, we it was uh, Romeo and Juliet. There I was doing Lord Capulet and the Friar, 
which is not really there's not a lot it's not really any dancing it's much more of a character part you know you're you're portraying this character uh which i which i love doing that's actually that's a part of my tradition coming from denmark that's it's uh, that's a great tra- uh, tradition from the bonneville actually with the mime telling a story and um so I always love playing character roles yeah a lot it's not something that and i don't i don't know if people appreciate it or not i don't <laughs> i guess i don't really care <laughs> i mean because i think it's fun and for me it means something and hopefully people can tell the difference you know oh between yeah like of someone has done it or not or if you're comfortable oh. in it i think it's so important i know yeah. i think it's very subtle too it, it, yes. it doesn't have to be over it's not overacting because then it becomes very comical a lot of times with theater well and it's such a fun balance to have to strike because you do have to make your emotions big enough for a whole theater to yeah. for it to read in the yeah. theater but you can still be subtle you know you can, you still, can be still be subtle i th- it's, subtle it's, it's sometimes it's it has something to do with the uh, the energy, you know, that you you project. Mm-hmm. It's like you can go in. It's if I mean, if we're talking about different directors as well, or a new choreographer coming into a studio, it's like you can tell right away what kind of energy they bring. You know, oh. you just have this this aura around them, and sometimes it can be very small, and and other times it can be like way too big. You know, but it's 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 funny because you can see that from far away. The, oh. I, I feel like it's almost like a, a sixth sense. Oh. You can you can feel that, you know, and it's it and it that's not with big body movements necessarily. You can yeah. just take one step in, and people are like, "Wow, <laughs> yeah." You know, you okay, right. let's mm-hmm. see what's next. And I feel like um, Romeo and Juliet in particular, the music is so beautiful. Um, whenever I see that ballet, I really want the performance. I want the characters. Yeah. I want to be moved in yeah. a certain way. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's, I mean, that music is just, you know, so expressive. I mean, it really yeah. just sort of pulls yeah. it out of you. you Absolutely. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. It really does. Yeah, it's great to see. Yeah. I actually saw you perform this winter season uh-huh. um, in Serenade. Yes, yes, yes. The Serenade was one of them. See, I yeah. didn't remember. <laughs> um, but I had never seen New York City Ballet perform Serenade. Of course, I've seen other oh, okay. companies yeah, yeah. and students perform yeah. it, but it was just so amazing to see the actual company perform yeah. it. It was yeah. really so no, beautiful. There, there's, stuff, uh, there's definitely something different about City Ballet and the whole ballet machine style. It's... it's um, I mean, it is it, it moves more. It's it, it is bigger. Like everything is more extreme, mm-hmm. you know. But still content. I mean, it's still it's like you cannot just like let everything go. Uh, yeah. You know, there's still a certain control, but it, it, I mean, he just wanted people to move more, and it, like trying to push the limits. More expressively. That, that was, yeah. So it's a lot. Of, I, I mean, if you see <coughs> for the ballet bond heads that are out there. You know, just like a normal turn <laughs> from fourth position. And most places will do it to, to bent legs. Mm-hmm. That's how you do your turn. That's your preparation. 
Balanchine, he, he wanted to be a longer position before you would take off. Like, the turn could be the same, but mm-hmm. before you take off, you have to, like, make it really big. So it's almost a lunge. You would have, yeah, it's almost mm-hmm. like a lunge. Mm-hmm. So you would, like, bend the, the front leg and then straighten the back leg, and then you would do a plie. But it, I mean, I'm not great at it, but when, when you see it done right, you, you, you go, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. It oh, just, interesting. It just, it just really, it, you're like, of oh. course. It, it just looks it looks, it looks better. I mean, it, it does. I'm, I'm not saying that it's, but it's not hmm. right or wrong to do it the other way yeah. at all. I, I, it's like I'm, because I'm come from my background with the Bonneville. It's like I'm up for anything. It's not, yeah. but I definitely get the whole mentality and idea behind Balanchine's style, the way that he wanted the dancers to move. Would you say it's almost a natural extension? Um, from the ballet technique itself um, you know for example you know he is known for extending the line and with your example mm-hmm. of how you prepare for a turn it yeah. seems that would be the next natural way to move the body yeah, like yeah, allow the yeah. body to turn a bit more while you're extending there's forward. nothing unnatural about uh, balancing I would say not uh, not at all he was just trying he was experimenting he was just trying to mm-hmm. push the human body which we're always doing, like in sport or whatever. Why yeah. not in in ballet? It, it, you know, it's 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 an art form, but we want to like push that as well and see and see what's possible. I mean, but sometimes and sometimes we 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 fall and then we're like, okay, maybe that was a little bit too far. We push too far. <laughs> push That's too so far. interesting to hear. I think I've never, I kind of watched out for these details while watching a New York City ballet performance, but I would like to because um, it never looks unnatural, but I've always thought of these little things about Balanchine yeah. as kind of unnatural because my only experience is like trying to do it. Yeah. I'm like, I can't turn like this. Yeah. I need to bend my back knee, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? But it's so yeah. interesting to hear you say, like if you, if it's done right, it really yeah. is yeah. just this flowing natural extension. Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, I just, I, I love how much it moves. It re- mm-hmm. re- really does. And it's just like about dancing. It's like you, you want to move. That, that's, that's what we hear. That's yeah. what we want to do. We don't want to step under ourselves. You know, that, I mean, yeah. sometimes you have to if you do a double limb duck mm-hmm. or whatever. You have to. But most of the time, you want to exactly do it a little more. Bigger. You know, yeah. Yeah. So, um,. There are a number of myths out there as to what Balanchine technique yeah. um, uses. And one myth that we were talking about just a few minutes ago was that Balanchine dancers never land on their heel or take off from their heel when I jumping. like that they're not even allowed to. Yeah. Yeah, um, see, this is, yeah, so that's definitely a, a myth. I, and I just think it comes from... Again, balancing, just trying to 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 push the human body, like doing it faster, like like anything, and glissadas and blade and chute mm-hmm. and like all like all these steps. It was not that you not that you can't put your heels down. It was just that was that was not time for it. Yeah. But that doesn't mean, but but that was never that. That's not balancing style. That was. I mean, he was still. You still have to put your heels down. Mm-hmm. That was. I mean, and I <laughs> obviously I'm not the balancing specialist specialist whatsoever well you are in this know. room <laughs> yeah no no but <laughs> no but um i mean i just know enough people and and heard enough stories of who he was and mm-hmm. what he was and what what he stood for 
and so a lot of these things are just being creating uh, created as times goes by and yeah. we all have a different image of uh, of who he was and what he stood for mm-hmm. um you know, and maybe it just helped one dancer at one point. He was like, "Don't put your heels down because you're not gonna be you're not gonna be in time." Right. But obviously, <laughs> the most health I mean, the healthiest thing to do is to put your heels down and go through your yeah. feet. It's like Absolutely. it's whatever. I mean, if you do a tondu, you still have to go through your feet and toes all the way out. We might have to do it a little bit faster, mm-hmm. but getting there is the same. Yeah, it's, it's the same thing you have to go through. It's funny how these myths develop. I mean, the ballet community is a community like anything else, and I can totally see how young dancers learning balancing technique and trying to move so quickly, you know, hearing that, like you said, maybe he just told someone once, well, maybe you don't need to land it completely every time yeah. to uh, yeah. keep it quick and keep it light, and then all of a sudden we're all saying, oh, well, did you hear that yeah, balancing yeah. said you can never <laughs> put your feet down? I mean, you can like see how it develops. Yeah. <laughs> it gets it's exaggerated. Yeah. That's fun. <laughs> uh, um, I kind of want to go back to some of the stuff you were talking about with theatricality mm-hmm. and um, changes in directors and choreographers, too. Yeah. I've always been really fascinated with the, the theatricality of ballet. I mean, that really drew me into it, and I think that's why I loved it. It was the performance every year. Mm-hmm. And you've actually performed in my hometown, Nutcracker, yeah. in Minneapolis. <laughs> um, and I'm just really curious what it's like when you do, when you go to other companies. I don't know if you've done other regional theater companies yeah, yeah, as well no, and, and like galas and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, and like how do you work with new directors and new choreographers and how do you get to know them quickly enough and what's it like yeah. working with different I mean, I haven't like really worked with that many new directors. I mean, mm-hmm. I have, you know, in the sense that we had mm-hmm. a lot of directors in Denmark so in that sure, sense, you yeah. know, I had my fair share. Maybe just when you travel like to Minneapolis. Yeah, yeah. No, no, that um it's like I I always I, I love it and I I love it because it's it's if you like imagine you have someone coming coming to watch class. Mm-hmm. You've been doing the same class for years. It's the same steps. But all of a sudden you have someone coming in. You're going to squeeze a little bit tighter. You're going to try and jump a little bit mm-hmm. higher cuz again and you might not even know who the person is. So having mm-hmm. a new a new director or a choreographer obviously brings something else to the table, yeah. and you uh, I mean it's a healthy change, right. I think. Okay. Uh, it definitely is, and also so you don't get stuck. Mm-hmm. You don't get stuck. You get. I mean, <laughs> I'm talking about energy the whole time, but that that's what it is. Yeah, that's what so it's you all have about. that push and pull, and and you learn a lot from it. It's like watching other dancers too. Interesting. There's nothing more inspiring than watching other dancers, and it can be modern or whatever. It doesn't matter. Like every time I go to see a show, it makes me want to dance even more. You know, I I mm-hmm. get inspired by what what they're doing, like mm. how they are attacking a certain step or you know approaching right. uh, a part of it. I mean, it, 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 there's a lot of ways. So. And th- that's what also what comes when you work with a director or cho- a choreographer. You know, mm-hmm. it, it is that collaborative. You're trying to see like what you can do or like like how far again you can push it without yeah. like falling apart. Right. Yeah. Huh. I didn't think of that um, aspect of getting the extra motivation. Yeah. That's no. That's definitely uh, for me. That's mm-hmm. uh, like a big 
Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And have you noticed that lately there are any recent trends in types of choreographers who get invited to create work with the company? With City Ballet, they have they have a great <laughs> tradition of um, trying, tr- trying to promote their own. I mean, it's it is more you know you have the School of American Ballet. They provide dancers to the company. You have the company that's like the you know the main thing, and then. Uh, a lot of the choreographers, the majority of the choreographers are from the company. They're created out of the company and all, and will, you know, go and conquer the world if they're lucky uh, enough. But that doesn't mean that City Ballet is the only place where there's great choreography whatsoever. There's like, I admire like everything that's out there. I'm just not, again, I'm not a huge bunhead. It's like, I know a lot of the choreographers, they have a, they have a great school from, from where they're at. Having having Balanchine, his vocabulary was very like broad. It stemmed from like extremely classical to his neoclassical to like modern things that is still like today. It's just like it's, it's weird. And it's just amazing. So you have that. You have these people from our company seeing this and then you have Jim Roberts who was also a great choreographer. Then you have all these uh, so they they they, uh, they get a uh, a great tool by being there, I think, you know, mm. and uh, they're spoiled. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> um, definitely. But I think that's really a great way to protect the legacy of Balanchine, mm-hmm. um, because one thing I've really noticed recently with the work of Justin Peck, uh-huh. who now is only the third resident choreographer yeah. to yeah, be. Something very, uh, yeah, it's yeah. a very high honor. Yeah. And when you see his choreography, you definitely see the influences from Jerome Robbins, Balanchine, and it's just really amazing to see. Yeah, you see, and and Justin Peck, I mean, if I'm going to promote anyone, I can promote him. I mean, he's a great, (laughs) great friend of mine, and I think he has a talent that is uh, well, I mean, has been well received, and you know, all his success has been well deserved. We also have Christopher Wilton and Alexei. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, there, there, there are a lot of great people. There. But if I'm just going to talk about Justin and talk about coming out of the company as a choreographer, you know, you can tell that, yeah, he definitely, he takes, he takes what he sees is, you know, the creme de la creme, you know, from from this, and uh, I mean, and then he makes it his own, but he definitely has been inspired by, you know, these other great choreographers that has been there in the past. Yeah, definitely. You mentioned a couple times that you're not a bunhead. Um, (laughs) I'd love for you to um, talk more about that, and then also kind of relates to something that Jess and I have been thinking a lot about and asking some people about, which is, do you ever fear that classical ballet is losing relevance to some extent in the 21st century? And um, what do you think we can do to keep or regain relevance? Yeah, I actually think it's it's coming back right now. I don't think it's oh, losing. Awesome. I, I don't yes, think it's losing points. any relevance whatsoever. It's 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 more relevant now than it has ever been before. It has just taken some time for the ballet to kind of reawaken. Uh, again, like after it was, mm. it was stagnating a little bit for a while. I think not th- great dancers, mm-hmm. still great things going on, but kind of hard 
trying to move on with uh, I mean, social media and all these things. I mean, I can't even keep track of it. I mean, if you think about it, like all those dance shows that's out there, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, <laughs> amazing. <laughs> but you have so many, and 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 ballet is definitely. But it was also important. I mean, it came to a point where you see all of a sudden the audience had been the same for many, 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 many years. You know, but but they were young ones. Right. They were young, you know, in the seventies of whatnot, have were coming since like mid sixties. I mean, I, I mean, I don't even know, but but they were young back then. Yep. You know, and they were like, this was their thing, and they have been like supporting it forever. But then, and then, you know, everything was just like you know great, and we had money and da 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 da, and all of a sudden, it, it forgot to s- stay. Um, how do you say it hip yes yeah, you can <laughs> say yeah hip kids. like stay uh relevant what are you mm-hmm. saying uh and uh, but i feel like it's has finally you know it's finding its way back uh without a doubt um it's encouraging to hear i mean I, I know there's only so many steps in the classical repertoire but well it's a it, lot but <laughs> yeah no but it's a lot but it's <laughs> the same thing with music like people constantly come up uh, with new yeah. music there's only so many notes as well so many different there's you know you have a whole orchestra with like the 65 people and different like strings and all that and Mm -hmm. like how much music can like how many different variations can you come up with and but and the truth is it's like it's endless it it really is it's all that with the phrasing and you know the combination that there's so many things yeah. So I don't think it's I don't think it's ever uh I mean I hope it's never ever going to die because there's something very unique for me in particular about the way of being able to express yourself mm-hmm. w- again without words. Yeah, that unique expression. Uh I I would say that it's really hard without music. It is possible to do it. I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of like silent me neither. And I mean, so like it's it you know, it it could work for a certain amount of time, mm-hmm. uh, and it can be strong. It can be very strong if it's just for like fifteen seconds or something like that. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I think uh, music is one of the few art forms in the theater that can survive without the artist. To to be hmm. to be honest. That's interesting. Um, I mean, you can also have a cappella singing. That's different, but. But for dancing, I mean, as long as there's music, there's going to be ballet. Yeah. So why don't we just put it that way? <laughs> I like it's a it's nice to hear that hopeful perspective. It really is. And I think I think you're right. I think that uh, I mean, we've talked a lot about how people are starting to pay more attention to classical ballet. Um, it's exploding in the media. We're contributing to that with our film and many more to come. Yeah. And and um, yeah, it's encouraging that it it could be regaining, but it's um, I know that the aging audience uh, in the theater is still kind of an issue that companies think about on a business level all the time. Like we go to Jacob's Pillow every summer, Uh Jess and I, and they have gift baskets. They don't tell you this, but they have gift bags they give to anyone who's under 35 when you pick up your tickets. They're just like, oh, here, here are some goodies. (laughs) We're like, oh, because we're under 35. Like that's not usually the cutoff (laughs) for a young person (laughs) in the audience. So, um, yeah, one thing to... Yeah, hopefully we'll we'll conquer. No, but it's also it's like I mean you have, 
you, I mean, but we also we also competing with so many other things these days. I mean, there, yeah, there, there was true. a time where there was no TV. There was no, I mean, th- like you went to the theater to get entertained, yeah, and to to uh, to get it was like a form of escape. But I still think that's the same thing today. You can you go you can go to the theater, and I mean, there's something about live performance that you don't get that when you go and see a movie. I can go and see a movie that's like touching, beautiful, and I right. can you know be crying by the end i mean i i mean i do cry if i see a <laughs> you know emotional movie but um it's going to see live theater you never really know what's going to happen it's right. never going to be the exact same thing the tempies are going to be different the way the dancers are going to react to those tempos are going to be different yeah so well i think that's what we had that's actually the challenge of it is convincing people to get to the theater because we're giving them dance and tv and film and everything and yeah um, but it's it's also it's i mean if you're not if you don't grow up with it too like i mean exactly how would you know like everyone has been to a ball game because since we're four to say I mean, I actually, <laughs> I've never been to a basketball. No, not a basketball, baseball game. Okay. That's one, one thing. And actually, I haven't been to American football either. <laughs> but, okay. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no. But it's like, so if you were not, I mean, if you're not exposed to that world, how would you know? It's not, yeah. it's not because you're ignorant. It's just like no one has like opened the doors. No one has, right. you know, introduced you to it. And... The most uh, most of the time, when you talk to people that you invite into the theater and they see it, even men, straight men, mm-hmm. you know, come in and they're like, "Wow, yeah, this is really unique, really special. I didn't know that this was possible, you know." And seeing like two human beings, you know, like making these like shapes and being able to jump so high or do so many turns or she goes I mean it's fascinating it really is yeah yeah so that's why it's it's this like magical world that you have to promote yeah i it's think and on that note i really feel like new york city ballet is contributing really well to audience engagement and adding to this idea of ballet being very relevant in the 21st century yes. um i have been personally really engaged by their engagement practices, their social media videos, the documentary Ballet 422 that just recently came out. Then they had an AOL dance series Series, called City.Ballet. That was really fun. Yeah. Yeah. And um, for me, actually, it reignited my interest in New York City Ballet because for a while I actually wasn't paying attention for whatever reason because there are other interests that I had, other dance companies. Um, but I really feel like they're doing a lot of great engagement yes. online in particular. Yeah. And I hope that it's leading to younger audiences coming in. We feel that it has opened up uh, a lot. So that brings us to another question. You've definitely received some worthy mentions in dance reviews over the years. Ask, uh, do reviews affect you as a dancer in such a large, renowned company? Uh, for example, would you ever be reprimanded for a negative review or rewarded with more stage time for a positive review? <laughs> uh, no, I actually have a, a good friend of mine. He uh, He's a former principal dancer with the Royal Danish Ballet. Yeah. And he has never read one single review in his entire life of any of his shows. He His mom 
would actually save them. And he said, the day I'm done dancing, I'll read the reviews. But till then, Smart. I do not want to know. I mean, sometimes mm-hmm. people maybe will come up and be like, oh, congratulations with the review. You know, but... Yeah. Um, and, and, and I just think that's important. And I, I know that directors, they don't look... I mean, they will definitely s- look at who the audience... I think the audience in general, sure. who they respond to. Okay. If, if, if you have someone that can get the audience excited and on their toes... Mm-hmm. And we'll sell the show. Then, I mean, they're like, okay, uh, I want to y- use him in my new ballet because I know they like him, for instance. Sure. And therefore, you know, my ballet is, a, is gonna, it's not going to be a guaranteed success, but at least half of it is, you know, like done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, Interesting. Yeah. It's good to know because sometimes I've just wondered in bigger companies if you it could actually affect your career. No, and it sounds like it's no, totally no, no, no. It has nothing. No, it, it doesn't good. at all. Yeah. Like I don't really think. I mean, we yeah. all know, and we can all have bad days and good days. Yeah. And we we rely much more on on each other. I would say, if anything, you find the people that are are honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, to you and I and uh, I feel there's a great uh, you know um, feedback like back and forth you yeah. know yeah so I would just say that we rely much more of the review from our colleagues than we do from a review in the paper Good. <laughs> what are your goals going forward with dance and career uh, with dance well I actually just came back from Denmark, where I was I was there for nine days, and um, I've taught classes. I've taught ballet for many years. Mm. Uh, my mom, she has a studio in in San Jose, California, oh. and so I would be going there from time to time and and help her out. Um, but the first time, but for the first time, I went to Denmark and I taught there. Taught a class in the morning. I taught a couple of classes in the afternoon, and. Uh, that's one thing, and I actually know this from all of my colleagues. They all love they all love teaching. I mean, to a certain extent, but because you learn so much yourself as a dancer, hmm. teaching. It's like all of a sudden you're like you you're telling them all the the, 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 the tricks, you know, like pull mm-hmm. up here and do this and higher passe and stay and da 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 and finish, uh, and all of a sudden oh. I should apply this to my own dancing. I should remember. I was supposed <laughs> I should, to do I that. Remember <laughs> this. Um, so that's one thing that I'm very fond of. Uh, but I also, I, I mean, I love theater in general, and I mean, I'm not really interested in running a company. Like okay. that's not really. I mean, it could be, could be, but I just never saw myself. Like a lot of people have also asked me, but what about a choreography? I'm like, you know, it's not that I can't put two steps together, but there's so many other people that have so much more interest in doing that, in doing yeah. so, and, and p- putting their time and effort into it. I'm not curious enough to do it. I mean, I always loved doing music on the side was one thing, too. Oh, yeah. To kind of keep my music. brain clear and healthy. You uh, sane, I would say. Sweet, right? uh, yeah, so, you know, I was doing that for a while, but that's just a great side hobby for me to do. Uh, but I definitely want to take some management, like arts management, like co- like course, like something mm. that I'm still working out the details. Yeah, <laughs> let me just say that. Yeah. yeah, but teaching is 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 a great thing though. That's a great side project. I love doing. Excellent. Yeah, teaching, coaching, 
Great, great. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This was really fun right. to talk to you. Yeah. And thank you so much. Yeah, I'm delighted. It's great. great. Have a great time. And everybody, uh, please remember to check out com if you're not there right now. P-O-D-D-E-D-E-U-X.com. We also have a Facebook page. Um, please like it. Please tell all your friends to like it. Please share our podcast. It's also on iTunes. And we're going to be starting some, uh, new engagement initiatives, really, which are with our fans. So you can look out for uh, further Q&A on our Facebook page with some of our alumni and um, some other fun fun things coming out of the social media circuit. So thanks for tuning in, everyone, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. <laughs> Yay. Thank We're you done. so much. Oh, Thank you. This was it. so fun. Yeah. Yeah, this How does awesome. it feel to interview and well, I'm talk? I'm totally fine. This is, like, I mean, <laughs> You're I an old pro. We can't tell. No, I just feel like I was talking a lot. Like, sometimes I, I, even yeah. I interrupted, I was like, ask, maybe you should just let them No, you should. I love it when people interrupt, and it's like, oh, we're like having no, a conversation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like a real conversation, no, no, which is the goal. Cool, because <laughs> it, it was more natural yeah. that way. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're great. Man. Brian, we went over. You let us go over. Yeah, it's totally cool. No, 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 no like sweating. Thank you. Thanks for letting me. Change the tone of the conversation here. Yeah, so oh, yeah. Peace <laughs> out. <laughs>